0: 38 of beers business and balls this show is presented by anchor download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today now available on spotify apple and the hopped up network jake zimmer will tondo and episode 38 for those of you that like wine you'll love this episode we have brandon cheney who is the proprietor and the founder of fairwinds estate winery in northern california brandon is a good friend of the sigma chi fraternity And hopefully he'll be a good friend of the show after this. But Will, is there anything quite like a glass of sheesh?
1: No, I mean, I'm looking forward (laughs) to uh, trying some of this sheesh because it's been popping up all over Facebook. Uh, Obviously, if you don't know, we are Brothers of the Sigma Chi Fraternity, and he's been heavy, heavy, heavy on the social media marketing. And it looks phenomenal. And yeah, I know we talk about beer on this podcast, but nothing beats a good glass of wine. And they seem like they have great, great product over in Napa Valley and in Hope Napa Valley. So great interview. Um he was cool to talk to, fun, fun story. I mean, it kinda it kind of um sparked some inspiration and it, it was a it was a very parallel story of stuff that we wanna do in the near future. So it was cool to hear it straight from the source. And he has an incredible background and he's doing a good job over there. So I hope you enjoy the interview as much as we enjoyed listening to him and asking questions.
0: You will hear Brandon's story on plenty of different things. Leaving corporate America is number one. I feel like that's a theme we have of people on our show. First of all, it's people that have the drive and the motivation enough to stop doing what they're doing and go chase their dreams. So that's something you'll hear from him on. And it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for Brandon too he actually lost most of his winery due to the the fires out in California. So when we have these people on, you know, it's always nice to, to dive in a little bit more about the the negative things that have yielded positive outcomes and their effect. And there's a really, really cool story in there that we can't wait to, to tell all of you guys about. I, I thought again, well, you know, he was, he's one of those guys that, He's not going to throw his accomplishments in your face, but he's someone that we, we learned a lot from for sure, and I think a lot of uh, our viewers are going to feel the same way. Absolutely.
1: I mean, entrepreneur true through and through, and his story just shows that anything is just possible with you know hard work, uh, continuous grinding and just positivity. And again, we try to shed that positivity every week. So we hope you uh, enjoy his little story on that as
0: well. So before we dive into things, we're going to use Brandon as our business segment this week because it's an entrepreneur for sure. It's someone who has their own business, who has done well in this business and is launching and accelerating into new growth. Before we dive into that, it's only right to talk about beer. And a lot of you with beer have heard the trend of these new craft beers, these microbrews coming out, um, a lot of different New innovations in the beer community, though, has sparked what we're going to talk about today, and that's Athletic Brewing Company out of Stratford, Connecticut, changing the beer game um, in a new way, and that is non-alcoholic beer.
1: Yeah, so very exciting news coming from the house Enterprise world. We have a new affiliate partner. This program with Athletic Brewing Company is going to showcase their portfolio of this non-alcoholic beer and we're excited to team up with them. Uh, They sent us some samples and the beer's pretty good. You know, many, there's many different reasons why people go non-alcoholic whether it's battling sobriety and practicing that lifestyle or wanting to be healthier and just have healthier habits or, you know, just try to cut alcohol out of your life as a whole. Uh, Athletic Brewing Company has done a great job in creating craft beer in that non-alcoholic form because the industry itself has kind of been stagnant over the past few decades. I mean, you have your uh, Odules and now Heineken starting to do this. Uh, St. Pauli girl. Beer, yeah. <laughs> All of this stuff. But, you know, there's not really true, true, true. Non-alcoholic craft breweries and craft beer. So like Jake said, located in Stratford, Connecticut, uh, so you get to still drink local they have a wide variety of stuff so far uh they've been absolutely crushing it even during the pandemic but they have uh an ipa a golden ale a brown ale a stout they even have some seltzers too uh which is just a little funny but mm. he's not an alcoholic seltzer it's just a seltzer but the craft aspect of it <laughs> um but they sent it. Yeah, over. it's
0: literally drinking a Lacroix at that point. Yeah. I guess right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they sent some stuff over, and it was it was really enjoyable. And they, you know, the message behind it, it wasn't you know the the founder mm-hmm. of the the brewer, the brewery wanted that just healthier lifestyle. You know, he's a big big um, hiker and nature enthusiast, and they he just wanted a healthier option after a bike ride or a hike and he created this and the the brand and the brewery itself has exploded in the past few months and over the uh, over the course of a couple years so athletic brewing company you're going to be hearing them a lot a new blog just wrote out fun facts about them i mean if you're not sold on the company just yet they have two pretty big sponsors Uh, located in the realm of athletics, the first being Super Bowl winning defensive end Justin Tuck and the other, uh, J.J. Watt of the Houston Texans, all pro defensive player of the year. Uh, He loves the company not only for the healthy lifestyle, but for the philanthropic efforts as well. And they do a lot, a lot of um, philanthropy itself. So great story all around. You can find more information at their website, athleticbrewing.com. And of course, uh, check out our blog to go in the link to uh, get some exclusive deals and promos if
0: you purchase beer as well. So that's athleticbrewing.com. Free shipping for two six-packs or more, and there's same-day delivery available in a few different cities. So if you're located at any of these places, New York, LA, San Francisco, and Chicago, you can get non-alcoholic craft beer the same day. Mm athletic brewing company uh, run wild ipa there's that golden ale upside golden ale and all out stout um i haven't tried it yet looks pretty good so i i you know personally i like my beer with alcohol but i'm very curious to uh to try this out um i mean a little
1: you know dry january still going on it's true Uh, new year's resolutions of cutting the calories are still going on so it's a it's a good option for beer drinkers that you know, might want to cut back a little bit instead of having a couple, uh, craft beers each day or just an alternative, um, whether it's a football Sunday or a beer after a bike ride, whatever it might be. Uh, they offer these, these pretty good products and it just, it's the little things to help lose those pounds, uh, day after day. So, I enjoy it so far though. It's, it's uh it's it's a, it's a really good product. I mean, I never thought I'd be drinking non-alcoholic beer, let alone promoting it on the show, but <laughs> we're excited for this opportunity. We'll still obviously have some craft brewery, the, the, the traditional craft beers that we'd like to review, but you might see some new stuff here and here and uh, we'll have the guys on athletic brewing company on the show eventually. So stay in tune for that.
0: Yep. That's absolutely athletic brewing Dot com that's athleticbrewing.com feel free to poke around on the store stay tuned for information on um how to procure all this kind of stuff too because you can go on and buy some stuff now um just hang tight poke around a little bit athleticbrewing.com non-alcoholic craft beer all right let's get into our interview with brandon cheney who is the proprietor and the founder of fairwinds um fairwinds estates vineyard i believe um also the creator of the Inhoke Napa Valley Wine Club. Very cool interview, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of successes, a lot of downfalls for Brandon. Uh, we hope you enjoy hearing his story as much as we enjoyed interviewing him. So here is Brandon Cheney.
1: All right, everybody with us this week, we have a fellow Sigma Chi brother, class of 1993, Indiana University and more commonly known as the CEO and proprietor of Fairwinds Estate and Inhope Napa Valley. Joining us from California, we have Brandon Janey. Brandon, how are you today?
2: Good, thanks for having me, William. It's great to be here. Awesome,
1: we are very, very excited to have you on. Uh, For those of you who don't know, outside of the Sigma Chi world, Brandon, of course, is a brother, but how we know him is through his uh, endeavors in the wine industry, and we are gonna get into that and his entire background and what he loves about that. And of course, Sigma Chi as well. But first and foremost,
2: Brandon, tell us who is Brandon Chaney? <laughs> who is Brandon Chaney? The myth, the legend, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I mean, I'm just a regular guy, really. I grew up in Indiana. I uh, grew up on Purdue University's campus. My dad was a professor of forestry at Purdue. And um, grew up in the in the heart in the main in the Midwest, I guess you you could say. And um, I uh, decided I didn't want to go to Purdue because I didn't want my dad uh, checking up at my dorm room. So I ended up attending Indiana University, just about a little bit south of, of uh, in Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, that's where I played Saint Mary's. But I guess we'll get into that maybe later. But um that you know I kind of grew up in the Midwest uh my parents were both in academia and but I always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit so I think if you're inside who I am is is I love building things and I love um building teams and and doing building something from scratch and watching it grow and blossom
0: we're going to get into all of those points I think the conversations naturally going to progress that way Brandon but started off in Indiana um go Hoosiers became a Sigma Chi there. um, Obviously, graduated in 1993. We talk constantly, you know, with fraternity alums and, you know, with the nature of Will and I um, getting involved in Sigma Chi. We had a lot of these conversations, of course, about, you know, breaking down the stereotypes of fraternity men are just there to party and then go on to wherever the hell they do. Right. So in your experience why was it Sigma Chi for you? Um, and how did the fraternity impact your life? And what did you learn from that experience uh, in college and, um, and beyond?
2: You know, I think when I was going through Rush, if I kind of think back, um, you know, you go around, and you visit a bunch of different houses, I really, you know, what's Sigma Chi and its history and and, and just the, the people I met there and how they felt about Sigma Chi when I was going through Rush, I really kind of gravitated towards Sigma Chi. Um, but, you know, I really didn't know that much about it. So in that regard, I think I was a little bit lucky because I do believe Sigma Chi is the best fraternity. <laughs> um, that's damn right. That's right. And um, so, you know, I kind of went into it, I think, with maybe a gut feel, which I thought was a a place that I, that, that uh, would resonate with me and kind of what my, where, where I, where I am as a person. Um, but once I got into the fraternity and I learned more and more about it, um, there's so many things I love about kind of the foundation of how Sam McKay was founded, um, you know, friendship, justice, and learning, um, and all those core things. And then all the relationships that I have made, you know, through my pledge class and and fraternity brothers at Indiana, and then, of course, even outside of that. And I think that's one of the great things about Sigma Chi, is it's not only an undergraduate experience. There's there's a, an alumni or postgraduate experience that is super strong, and the community super strong. So I think, you know, uh, I have lifelong friendships that I've gained through Sigma Chi, especially in my pledge class. I mean, we talk on a, um, I mean, I think we text an email on almost on a daily basis, and I'm 50. So this was, back in 1990, um, you know, almost 30 years ago. And, and, and other than 2020, my pledge class got together every year. We got together somewhere in the United States. and I'd say you know, 80, 80% of the pledge class would show up to those events. Um, so we've, it's just been a great um, lifelong experience for me from undergraduate and then you know, 30 years later awesome and did you have any
1: uh involvements within the fraternity or any uh
2: memories that you might want to share
1: that uh you can on 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 air
2: (laughs) well uh as far as positions held um ironically i held the position of favors chairman so i was responsible for creating all the the t-shirts and party favors and designing all those and then actually you know getting them getting them made, and then distributed, and collecting the money, and, and paying all those things. So ironically, in some ways, that's what I'm doing now with, within Hoke Napa Valley at a different level. <laughs> but that was, uh, that was uh, you know, as far as positions that I, I was really involved with. Um, I lived in the house um, for three years. Um, so, you know, in the, the chapter in Indiana had kind of, they really wanted to keep seniors inside the, inside the house living. So they created kind of a senior wing, which were little suites, which, which is awesome. Um, so it was great to, to, uh, you know, kind of grow up in the Sigma Chi house with, you know, with 120 guys living in the house, you know, the new guys coming in and the old guys, it was, it's a very large house. Um, so I got kind of that full experience as you mature from being a freshman to a senior And living inside the house. Obviously, there's probably a lot of stories I shouldn't get into. But, you know, nothing, nothing bad. But we certainly had a lot of fun. But a lot of it is just building those relationships with your fraternity brothers. Uh, And, and, from my experience, have been lifelong. You love to hear that. I mean, that number of
1: 120 in the house is is crazy. Because our chapter that's absurd. Yeah. yeah, our chapter was less than 100. So, and you know, we were in a small school <laughs> up in Rhode Island. But I, I would, I would, I would pay good money to be in in a house like that for at least a year. Like God bless you for doing that for three years. That's a that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but uh, while we're on the topic of college, though, did you know what you wanted to do when you attended Indiana, and why the wine industry now?
2: Well, what's interesting about that? So my my roommate, I when I first went to Indiana, I my mom dropped me off, and you know she was teary-eyed and kissed me goodbye. And probably 10 minutes later, this guy walks by, and he walks in and says, "Hey, do you know where I can buy a loft for my dorm room?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, well, I'm not really sure where you can buy a loft, but hey, you know, would you like a, a soda pop?" And um, he's like, and that, ended, his name was Anthony who walked in and he ends up ended up being my business partner now for 30 years. He, we ended up going to rush together. He did not choose Sigma Chi. He chose Phi Delta Theta. And, but we've been lifelong friends and in the dorms, um, as we would lie in our bunk beds, we always talked about how we wanted to start a company together. Um, we didn't care what kind of company it was. We just loved the concept of, building a company together and doing something together. And so I didn't really know that I was going to be in the wine industry. Um, You know, when I was uh, growing up in West Lafayette, my dad was a professor, as I mentioned, and he professors every seven years to get a go on a sabbatical. And so when I was around eight years old, um, my dad did a sabbatical at the, excuse me, at the University of Aberystwyth in Wales in the UK. And so we lived in Wales, and then my di- parents were a little bit hippie-ish back then. They bought a VW bus after his, uh, after his, uh, after his, he was spending time at the university, and we toured around Europe, and, you know, in Europe, wine's a little bit different. You know, kids can have a little glass of wine at dinner table, so I actually started drinking wine when I was around eight, just a little bit, you know, a sip here or there, but I was always fascinated about wine, and I actually had a scholarship at a college to go to photography school, and because uh, my mom's an artist, she taught art appreciation and different things at Purdue. So I had to make that decision: did I go the business route or the artistic route? And I really see wine as a combination of both artistic and business. Um, but I decided to go the entrepreneurial route, as you know, as I kind of talked about me and my roommate Anthony, you know, talked about starting a company together. Um, but we, we went into the high tech business out of college. I, I went, for, went to work for GE in their financial management program. i studied finance in college. Um, and then I, I just spent a couple of years in corporate America and then we, we, uh, we both quit our jobs and started our first um, tech company around 1995 in San Francisco, California. Um, but I'd always kind of had that artistic side sitting in the background which, you know, after we went through those cycles of our tech companies over the years, we decided that um, if we could buy a winery, because we we had sold our companies and we had the, the ability to, to do that, um, you know, it really kind of brought that artistic side and business side and new challenges mm-hmm. together. That's
0: That's very layered, kind of what you just talked about. You, you said you kind of... you had that career at GE you know you um you made the right connections uh, left to go start your own business and so there's two things that we want to ask you here for sure number sure. one what was your aha moment that kind of you know you knew that you wanted to leave corporate and get out of there and you know start your own thing but number two eventually that in and of itself got into all right, another aha moment where you know, all right, I'm going to dive into this wine business here. So, what were those two moments like if they stand out?
2: So the first the aha moment that wanted me to get out of GE, um, I think the problem was, you know, working for a large corporation, being kind of an entrepreneurial uh, spirit minded person. You know, I wanted to be in the in the captain seat, driving what we were doing, and I, you know, I kind of looked at to get to that point, I would have to spend probably 15 to 20 years to get there. And I was just like, you know what? I, I just can't do that. I wanna do it now. I mean, that was really what, what drove us to leave our corporate jobs and start our own company. And, it, and, and the experience I got at GE was more you know, financial planning. I was working for GE Nuclear Energy. Um, and uh, so when I moved out, I got transferred from their Wilmington, North Carolina office out to, to the Bay Area. And that was right before the dot-com period started. And we just wanted to, to start any type of company we could start ourselves. So we were looking for a need that we thought was unfulfilled. And at that time, it was um, it was kind of the convergence of communications. I mean, voicemail was somewhat of a new thing back in the early 90s, especially bringing voicemail together with, with telephones and integrating it with different things. I mean, we didn't have an email at that point. And um, so that's what we decided we were going to get in the telecom business. I had, we just saw that as a need, and that's the direction we went. And they, at the same time, they were were deregulating the local telephone network, um, allowing for competing public utilities. So at the age of 24, we applied, or 25, we applied to the Public Utility Commission to be able to start our own public utility company around telecom, and we were granted a license to do that. And that's really how we started our first company, which was a public utility company. So that was the aha moment. It was really around, we wanted to start something ourselves, and we wanted to be passionate about it and build it ourselves and and be in the driver's seat. And I think I was CEO of that company for 20 years, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, we... We built a nationwide network. We did a lot. We, we had one of the first voiceover IP telephone systems back in the late 90s, kind of before its time, and it was great creating new things. But what was kind of missing was the artistic side. You know, be, obviously there's creativity in business, but even more on the arts. And I think after we sold that company to private equity in 2014, that's when we kind of sat back and said. You know, this next thing, next chapter of our lives, we want to do something that incorporates not only business, but incorporates that artistic side. And I always had a love for wine and and hospitality and getting people together. So that's what really the second aha moment was. Let's take that business experience and building. Let's 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 fill all those those uh, voids that that really kind of bring that full you know, complete the puzzle. Something that we could build that it ties in kind of the whole person of what our, what our passions are. And that's why we got in the wine business. And I tell you the wine, there's a joke about the wine business. The joke is the way you make a small fortune in the wine business is start with a larger fortune. <laughs> Cause it's not an easy business. It's not, there is an element of, of uh, love and um, you know, a passion project to it. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, I believe if, if you love what you're doing and you have passion about it, um, you know, the success will follow. And, and, if it, and we're not scared to having a hard route to go there because we always kind of look at doing things a little bit differently than, than other companies. I mean, that's what we did in the telecom industry. And when we got into it originally, it was very fragmented. People weren't looking at it, both bringing computers and telephones together. So we kind of brought a fresh new look to it and we feel like we're bringing a fresh new look to the wine industry as well. Absolutely. That's, that's very interesting to hear. So, you know, now comes the opportunity for you
1: to purchase Fairwinds Estate. Uh, Tell us, you know, how you discovered that opportunity, what it took to make that happen. And then I have some follow-up
2: questions after hearing uh, how you entered into it. Yeah. So we, we were kind of looking uh, after we sold our company, we're looking for other opportunities and, um it was really, I and mean, they talk about, you know, when preparation luck and preparation kind of come together. <laughs> we got very lucky that, you know, uh the winery that we found in the northern realm of Napa Valley was the fourth winery established, new winery established in Napa after Prohibition. So it was a very historic property. Uh it was a tremendous real estate asset, um, but it had a lot of opportunity around to grow a wine brand. And it wasn't necessarily on the market. Um, you know, a lot of the wineries in Napa are held in generations. You know, the, the previous owner owned it for, you know, almost 50 years. And um, they were kind of divesting and building a new new winery uh, down in the southern part of Napa. So we're just in the right place at the right time. And, and you know, I would say that, you know, one of the things that um, I believe in is. Now, you can plan out what you want to do but you also when an opportunity knocks on its door you you need to be able to recognize the opportunity and jump at it quickly and that's really how we got in it was something that i've always had a lifelong uh, dream of doing but i had no idea how we we're going to do it but when the opportunity presented itself we jumped at it so we bought the winery and then we needed to figure out how to run a winery but we weren't scared about that because in some regards, our training and business, you know, you're you're making a product, you need to sell your product, you got to, you have a great customer experience. But then all the other components of it, we've, you know, over, we bought it in 2015. And we've learned a lot over the last five years. Um, And I believe we're on the prefaces of really kind of taking it to the next level. So it's been, it's been super exciting and rewarding. And, there's new challenges every day, and, and uh, you know, it's also also developed into this uh, in Hope Napa Valley and the, the uh, fraternity channel as well, which is exciting. Awesome. So, yeah, um, right. following up with that, you know, what is that most rewarding moment for you, and what is the hardest part
1: in uh,
2: running the operations of the winery? Well, I think the, the most rewarding things about the wine business is when, You produce a, you know, you're producing, you're you're creating a wine, it's flavor profile, it's labeling, uh, and you're trying to establish that emotional connection with the consumer around your wine brand and your story. And I think the most rewarding part is when you find people choosing your wine uh, to share with their closest friends or some of their most, um, you know, cherished celebrations. That in itself is by far the most rewarding thing. The most challenging part about the wine business is you have all the the normal business challenges of creating a product and selling it. And 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 there's a lot of different wine brands and how do you create that emotional connection? And then you have all the other things that can happen when you you have an agricultural business too. You have mother nature, you have um, fires, you got all sorts of stuff. So I think that's the most challenging thing is there's a lot of things you can't control, um, and you don't know how you know every vintage is going to turn out. <clears throat> so I think that that would be the most challenging part, but it's also the part that gets you up in the morning and and keeps you sharp because you always have to be looking at a lot of different variables to make sure you're you're delivering a quality product. You just so mentioned that, that
0: big variable of Mother Nature, and unfortunately you know, Fairwinds was not immune to what was going on in California this this summer. Um, you know, we, you lost part of your property to uh, the fires. Um, how, um, you know, with all the things going on in 2020, obviously you just have to be prepared for anything, right? And unfortunately, um, you know, you right. fell victim to that, but um, what was the recovery process like and uh, how are things looking now for the future of Fairwinds?
2: Sure. Well, you know, obviously it was a challenge. The COVID was a challenge for us, um, but I also think that if you're going to be successful in life in general, you can't predict what's going to happen, right? You have to you have to keep a positive attitude, and you always got to be looking at how you're going to be changing and growing as a as a person, as a couple, as a business, everything, right? Because things are always changing. We had a lot thrown at us this year, obviously. COVID was tough because. You know, being one of the older wineries in Napa Valley, um, we are blessed with a very uh, unique use permit on our property, meaning we have entitlements um, where we can do more hospitality and more visitors and more events and wine and food program, things that 90% of other wineries are restricted against. So we were very dependent upon people coming to the winery and and doing hospitality on and, and it's, our strategy is really to sell our wine direct to consumer versus selling it into grocery stores and liquor stores and restaurants, and that's great. But once COVID hits, you know, no one can come to your winery any longer, right? And no one's traveling; everyone's scared to do that. And what that forced us to do very quickly is is figure out our digital strategy, and also figure out other ways that we could do things that um, to get our wine in front of people to enjoy it. And, and, and that kind of led to the development of Hook Napa Valley, you know, I started, um, initially, I went on Facebook, and I'm like, wow, there are, there are a lot of Sigma Chi's out there that don't know that a Sigma Chi owns a winery in Napa Valley. And, and if I knew someone that, that a Sigma Kai that owned a winery, I'd want to buy his wine. So, hey, maybe if I got the word out there, we might get some digital sales that way. And so I started posting on the Facebook groups, et cetera. And it was amazing the outpouring of support from Sigma Chi brothers all over the country. Um, you know, our, our online sales, uh, quickly were the same as what we were doing on site with visitors. And so it really kind of kickstarted, uh, forced us to be a better digital marketing company. Um, and one of the, the one of the things that came out of that is I got a call from Jim Lawson, who was a development officer with the Sigma Chi Foundation, and um, he he saw my post on Facebook. So we started talking, and you know I had I was pouring a glass of wine with my fraternity, one of my fraternity pledge brothers, um, a couple of years prior, and I'm like, would it be cool if our fraternity had its own wine brand? Uh, not just a not just put a put the Sigma Chi crest on a wine bottle, but actually its own wine brand in which celebrated not only our brotherhood, but our history. And the wine bottle was is, was almost a secret handshake in itself where it would, if, if you weren't a Sigma Chi, you'd think it was an awesome wine bottle and you would love the wine. But if you're a Sigma Chi, it has that deeper level of connection where you'd recognize that, hey, that's a Norman Shield. Um, you know, Otherwise, this looks like a really cool Norman Shield bottle and so that was kind of the idea that we were talking about with one of my pledge brothers and then when jim lawson called me i'm like i said you know what about this idea and he goes you know i think that's a great idea but the problem is you can't get anything approved through you know these large fraternal organizations very quickly um it takes a long time and it's got to be approved by the board and then you know also do we really want to does say makai want to associate themselves with a wine brand. They had never done it before. Matter of fact, no fraternity or sorority had ever done that before. And so we kind of put a business plan together for it. And I really wanted to give back to Sigma Chi because Sigma Chi had done a lot for me uh, in my life. And so we came up with a concept where we'll create a wine brand for Sigma Chi and um, uh, we'll give 20% of the proceeds back to Sigma Chi to fund some type of a scholarship or something for Sigma Chi and they love the idea and there was um, the International Balfour Award is given out an annual basis to the most outstanding Sigma Chi and this year it was Sam Romez uh, from Louisville and I got a chance to meet him um, and present him his scholarship from in Hoke, Napa Valley um, but that that scholarship was not endowed um, so We kind of picked that scholarship and we got it through the board of directors thought it was a great idea. So we, we developed the brand in Hope Napa Valley and we launched it in a um, In kind of a club and I wanted um, I wanted the wines to come to Brothers. Um, You know, we were founded in 1855 I wanted it to feel very historical almost like the wine box was coming from 1855 so you know, I looked for partners that could make a, a vintage wine crate so it looked like it was, you know, 150 years old. Uh, so we found that vendor, um, and we had those made. They're fire-branded and hand-stained, and so we just did everything first class, and we we launched it in July of 2020, and for the first shipment in October, we had uh, over a 1,000 members signed up for the club um, just over... You you know, sending out e- uh, the foundation sent out an email. We did some social media marketing, and it's just been a great success. And really, the the most rewarding part of it is to watch same Kai brothers all over the country get their wine, share it with other brothers, and especially during this time of COVID, when you know there's been a lot of Zoom calls of people sharing bottles of wine together and reminiscing. Um, their college days and, and just stimulating uh, that type of engagement with the alumni community that's been just tremendously rewarding and um, it's just been a, a huge success that's an incredible awesome. and uh, you know we even
1: got to see brother Drew Brees uh, yeah you know see, <laughs> uh, have some wine too is that probably the most interesting person that has uh, uh, had your wine before
2: um well, I mean, there are a, a fair amount of uh, celebrities that have have tried the Fairwinds Wines and and the Inhug Napa Valley Wines. And Therese is one of them. And Sean Payton um, uh, received some wine from us and some others. But I think the most interesting person to that I can think of that has had um, Fairwinds Wines would be his name is Michael um, Laughlin. Lof- and Michael Laughlin is the captain of the fire engine that came to save um, Fairwinds wow. in the fire, and he, he's the captain of Engine Five Five Eight. And they showed up at the winery on September twenty eighth, and it was engulfed in fire. And they normally, you know, when you have a situation, they have like six or seven trucks come to try to, but there were so many things on fire in the valley, and they they tried their hardest. To, uh, to save the winery, but there was just too much going on there. And they could not save it. You know, we had a, we had a fire hydrant that was fed by our, our well and our pump station burned up. So then the fire hydrant went dry and they only had about 500 gallons of water on the truck. So they the fire got so bad, they had to literally load up on their engine and hightail it out of there before they got burned up themselves because the, the woods were on fire. And as they were driving away, they looked back and they saw two flagpoles, that were engulfed in flames but they the flagpoles were above the uh the fire and one had a sigma chi flag flying on it and the other had old glory the american flag and they're like you know what we've got to go back into the fire and save that american flag so so michael turned the truck around they drove the truck back into the fire they got out they they rescued the american flag they left the sigma chi flag unfortunately <laughs> um and then i got a call from him the next day and he's like, hey. Michael, Engine 558, Fremont Fire Department. He's just like, I gotta apologize. We we did not weren't able to save your winery. Um, and I'm like, listen. I mean, you you're amazing. First of all. Second of all, um, why are you apologizing? You guys <laughs> risk your lives to fight fires every day. And he's like, well, we, we'd like to present you back this American flag so that um, you know when you rebuild the winery, you can fly it over the, the winery again. So we showed up the next day, and uh, there were actually a bunch of news station people there, and they presented the flag back to us. It was a really emotional moment. Uh, there was a tree that was still on fire over there, and they got out the hoses, and we got to spray down the tree, and we and then we started spraying each other. It was pretty fun, <laughs> especially during a, uh, uh, a tragedy like that. But one of the cool things was is as we were getting the American flag back, we look up, and there's the Sigma Chi flag still flying. So even despite all the fire, there's no reason that flag, the, the Sigma Chi flag shouldn't have burned up, but it made it through the fire. Well, So I think Michael uh, then uh, got five cases of our wine. And uh, I would say he is probably the most impressive and special people that ever has had Fair One's wines. That's an incredible story. And that's,
0: um, that must be, I'll, I'll tell you what, Interesting person was the question, but I think it, most rewarding, he is certainly at the top of the list for you that, that we can tell, you know, just how important that was for you to serve him uh, in the same way that he did for you. So that's incredible. Um, you've clearly learned a lot from all of this experience um, and, and, you know, through crisis, through success, uh, through your business career, and then through the winery as well. But what's the biggest thing you've learned over your career? It could be something that, you know, worked for you or didn't work for you? Just what, what do you think comes to mind where you, uh, uh, maybe a lesson that sticks out in
2: all this? Well, if I, if I can think of, um, and I would say that I'm very lucky in this sense. If I look back on my last 30 years, um, I've had a lot of fun, a lot of experiences, a lot of successes, some failures. And, um, but I feel like right now, um, What's different about this moment right now, and I wish I would have known this even more so, um, and it, maybe it takes time to get there, but if you can find something that you absolutely, and people say this all the time, right? If you do something you love, you're, you're going to be successful at it. Um, but number one, you got to find something that you're so passionate about. You don't care even, even if you make money doing it. I mean, you do. I mean, obviously, we got to feed our families. But if you really love what you're doing and you have passion about it and you just can't wait to to grow your business and whatever you're doing, um, that's number one is probably a a lesson. And the second is, is you never want to build a business to sell it. So if you have passion for it, you want to build a great business and something that that you're just you literally you're just so happy that you have the opportunity to do what you're doing. And then, you know, that reward at the end will come if you have that passion. Otherwise, I think, you know, if you try to build a business and we've, I've built probably, you know, six or seven different businesses, um, some of which were passion projects and some of which were kind of like, hey, this is a good opportunity. Maybe we can make some money doing this. The ones that were most successful that we made the most money on were the ones that we didn't care if we made money on. We just love doing it. Excellent. Brandon, thank
1: you so much for sharing those words as well as your story as a whole. Where can our listeners follow along for your content as well as uh, maybe get a hand on the on your wine as well?
2: Well, on Facebook, In Hope Napa Valley has um, uh, Facebook, uh, which is uh, In Hope Napa Valley, as well as Facebook and Instagram and on uh, LinkedIn. Um, of course, Fairwinds Estate Winery, um, you know, at Fairwinds Estate Winery. Um, we can follow fair winds and then my personal page, which is Brandon Cheney, uh, IHSV. Perfect. Well,
1: Brandon, thank you so much. We hope 2021 brings you, uh, just happiness and success even further with the, uh, both endeavors. And again, thank you for sharing your story. We appreciate it. The fraternity appreciates it and, uh, take care. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah. William and Jake, it has been a pleasure talking to you guys. And that was just Brother Brandon uh, in Hoke, Napa (laughs) Valley, and Fairwinds Estate. Phenomenal story. The guy had such a great career. And you know what? He was just like, I am all set with corporate, and I want to do my own thing. And I really enjoyed the aspect of finding the balance between the artistic side and the business side. I think a lot of people have a difficult time seeing that you know, you have so many people that have these passions in the arts, whether it's music or photography or painting or, you know, crafting some kind of product and they don't know how to make money off it or if it's just a passion project or something more. And he found the perfect combination, the perfect blend as you would and created these, these wineries and you know hopefully one day when things calm down we can head over to napa valley and experience it first person in, in first person ourselves but until then we'll just have to uh enjoy it on the east coast but hope you enjoyed that interview it was just it was just a solid solid guy
0: solid solid story yeah great guy um and again you know he's been through a lot a lot of people look at these wine folks and say wow they're you know they're so rich they they have it so easy all they have to do is make wine um, it's been a tough road for Brandon and you know he had a lot of successes in the private sector went on made his own company he was an innovator in the telecom world and he's got a lot of stuff going on that's going to be real good for him so props to Brandon again that's Brandon Cheney of Fairwinds Estates Vineyard Let's talk about some football, shall we? Um, yeah. Off to the championship week. And who would have thought? Packers are playing the Bucks, and the Chiefs are playing the Bills. A lot of stuff to unpack from last week. Again, we're not football analysts, so we're not going to unpack it and just get your sports uh, analysis somewhere else. We're here to make the predictions and talk about what we see, right? So, man, Packers and Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers going up against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship. Now, Tom Brady, he just came off putting Drew Brees in a coffin, pretty much. Another loyal Sigma Chi brother, Drew Brees. Um, he potentially they say he's played the last game of his career. Only time will tell. It certainly looks that way, though. Uh, the way he was going about his business. It was sad. It was sad. It you know, yeah. It was bad. It was... <sighs> Did he throw 3 or 4 picks? I think it was 4. I don't yeah,
1: it know, it might have been 3. It was either 3 or 4. Not all of them his his fault, but that was just it was like beating a dead horse lack for better terms. Uh, and
0: Lord. in the who would have thought that in total Tom Brady fashion, he loses to the Saints twice this that year and then beats them where it counts. It's it's, tough it's to, awesome.
1: Yeah, it's tough to win 3. <clears throat> it's tough to win 3 against the same team.
0: And against Uh, Tom Brady, mind you.
1: Yeah. So that was, it was a great game. I mean, I thought the entire playoffs this weekend, this past weekend was phenomenal football. Um, All were, you know, fairly exciting games. The Saturday ones were a little slower paced, but there were still some good moments out of that. And the Sunday ones were going well. Um, In terms of
0: this matchup, Packers-Bucks. Keep in mind, Packers are favored three and a half in this game, too.
1: Yeah, I I think this year is, if you, if you, I, I have to go back to the earlier episodes, because I know I was definitely very bullish on the Bucs, um, but I think it's the Packers year. I, I really do, you know, the playoffs run through Lambeau, it's going to be coming, the question is, can Tom play in the cold uh, right now, which I mean, he's always been in New England, but a year in Florida, these Snowbirds realized that they don't really miss New England and the North. And the Packers are just really, really dominating right now. But you could say the same about the Bucks. I, mm. My gut says the Packers, I think the Bucks will maybe cover. I,
0: I'm so like, <laughs> they, are they going to cover or not? <laughs>
1: this game, I'm just so... It's truly, for me, a coin toss. Like, the Bucks defense looks very good. I mean, if you if you have four takeaways in a game, you're going to win that game nine out of ten times. And they just yeah. get a piece back in um, uh, Vita Veta. He comes out uh, out of injury, so adding another defensive stopper like that is quite scary. But the way the Packers are playing, just Devontae Adams. Um, Aaron Jones, Robert Tanyan, like they have their gears fully turning. I'm going to take the Packers in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm taking the Packers, and I, I say they win by a touchdown or maybe even 10 points, I think. Tom looks good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm rooting for Tom Brady to win this game. I, I am. Um, <clears throat> Packers fans, uh, I mean, they, they have it long overdue for sure, I think. When the hell was the last Packers Super Bowl? It's been a while.
1: Probably, I, I'm
0: looking that up now because now I'm just genuinely curious. 2011, it's been 10 years.
1: Yeah. What was it? So Pac- Steelers, they,
0: yeah. They beat the Steelers 31 25. Um, for a team that has been so good statistically, it's kind of a letdown almost that they've only been there or they've only taken a ring, yeah. Of all that, so I think if I there's mean, it's similar,
1: to, it's similar to the Saints. You know, we yeah. just talk about Drew Brees retiring, and it's like he got
0: one ring and a Super Bowl MVP, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did a lot for the city itself, and that's obviously a little bit more important. But it's going to be a, a tough pill to swallow if Drew Brees retires, because it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be sad and a void to, uh, you know, a big void to fill. But they're going to look back to and be like, we really didn't do that much.
0: Yeah, and it sucks because they really did. You know that 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 Saints franchise is going to be in the gutter without Drew Brees, and um, the Packers are in a similar spot. It's you know you had the Favre glory days, you had Aaron Rodgers, who certainly I mean those are all glory days all of his career. So it's a very similar situation. Send a man out with a Super Bowl win. I think they're gonna, I think they're not gonna have a problem with the Bucks. I really think so. I think their offensive line's good enough to to hold them off even with the addition of some defenders and we'll see what happens. So I think the Packers come out of the NFC. I think they're going to deserve it. Um, So yeah, well, (laughs) we're going to have to see if Tom Brady brings his a game and if he's ready for the cold, I think he is. I think he's going to do a a pretty good job. Um, I just think the Packers are too much for him to be quite honest. Chiefs Bills on the other hand is you talk about toss ups. I think this game is more of a toss up, especially if Mahomes uh, Patrick Mahomes that is who is being evaluated for a concussion. If he does not play, that opens up a realm of possibilities for the Bills to get back to the Super Bowl first time in a long time. Man, I mean, I feel. There, there's pros and cons to wanting each team to get out of here, right? The chiefs, they're so fun to watch. You have generational talent, Mahomes. You have one of the most deep offenses ever in Kansas city. Um, and arguably the NFL, you know, I would say that the amount of weapons that Mahomes has, I mean, you've got Clyde Edwards, you sure. Who didn't even play last week, but Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. Oh my God. You put them on any team. That's a, that's a phenomenal offense already. And then. On the Bills, um, how do you not want to root for Josh Allen? How do you not want to appreciate what Stephon Diggs has done, already setting career numbers and one of the best wide receivers in the past few years, let alone this year? This is going to be tough. Chiefs are favored by three points. Who do you have?
1: If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, I'm saying the Bills. Even if he does play – I'm still taking the bills. I think I have not been that impressed with the chiefs play throughout this season. Whereas the beginning of the season, it was like, Oh, the chiefs made all of these moves. They locked in their players. They locked in their staff. They added Le'Veon bell. They drafted Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Um, I thought in the beginning of the season, it was a shoe in a victory March, like no ifs, ands or buts about it. But even with Mahomes in the game, like the Browns put up a tremendous fight. And throughout this season, I mean, they're definitely a second half team, but they're not very compelling. If the Bills can get out on top with the excitement they have and just the dynamic duo of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, I like the Bills in this game truly either way. Um, if, if, Mahomes plays, if Mahomes plays, it'll be a very, very, close matchup i think even one that can go into overtime but i'm i'm liking the bills i like this one i do
0: too i really do and it's so hard for me to pick um against the chiefs and i don't think i'm going to i think the uh i think the bills might cover in this game i think it's only it's only three um i think that if the bills the bills are not going to kick the chiefs ass there's no shot um now i'm having a hard time deciding who i actually even want in this game um fuck it the chiefs i i think i don't know i think the chiefs have been through too much where they're not going to be denied um shit i kind of want to root for the bills though as a member of the afc east um you know who's not there this year in the new england patriots i want the the AFC East representative to come out, it, it, like a Bills, Bucks Super Bowl would be totally absurd. That would it just be would. so that's what, I,
1: that's what I was gonna say because there's people that want the Bills Bucks Super Bowl just so Tom Brady can torment the AFC East yet again.
0: One last freaking time. Well, actually, one not one last time because he's probably gonna be doing it for another ten years at this rate.
1: Oh. <laughs> It's crazy. One of the wildest things I read about this matchup, though, and regarding Patrick Mahomes, there's truly fans out there that are people in general that think the Chiefs should not rush Mahomes back if he's not feeling well for the amount of money they have invested. And I don't disagree, but I'm also like, you're one game. This isn't like week five. You're one game away from the Super Bowl, and like, it's unclear the status of his concussion. I mean, concussions are very serious, but the status is unclear and supposedly he passed a lot of big tests. I I mean, if if I'm Patrick Mahomes, like my ass is on the field no matter what.
0: Yeah, I think the same people that are saying that, you know, they should have like why are you designing if they care that much about a 500 million dollar quarterback do not design a jet sweep for him a direct snap jet sweep to the right where you just get fucking blown up like you do not do that to a 500 million dollar quarterback no if he's RG3 or like hell even Lamar who can run or any of these guys I I don't even mind Baker doing that kind of stuff because he can do it I'm not saying Mahomes can't But Baker Mayfield is not getting paid $500 million by the Kansas City Chiefs to go get a a jet sweep to the right where you get knocked out. That's not good. So the same people that are saying that should also be outraged at Andy Reid called that too and and Eric Biennemi or whoever it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think both games are going to be phenomenal. I think they're going to be close. I think they're going to be hard played. Uh, It's been a great playoff so far. I think the teams that got in, just competed well. I mean, you got to give credit to the Browns. Uh, you know, no one expected them to get here. No one expected them to win eleven games and put up a absolute fight against the Chiefs. A couple miss miss coaching errors, but um, you know, it's new to them. It's a new moment for them. So it was still very exciting to watch them. They're definitely going to be a team to the future to watch. But yeah, in terms of this matchup, I'm going to say Bills Packers to the Super Bowl. I can't believe we're almost at the Super Bowl, which is just
0: I get this. those props in. Ah, yeah. But all exciting stuff. It is. Um, I'm looking at some exciting props here now. <laughs> this is from straight from my pick'em league. I want to get your thoughts before we wrap this up. Um, over under total points in the weekend at 101.5. What do you think?
1: 101 and a half total points over the two games i'm gonna take the under okay okay i just think like 50 i think i am too yeah 50 points each matchup i mean both games are either and again like this is so stereotypical but it's like it's either a shootout or a defensive battle (laughs) Um, but I don't think I don't think both of those. I one of those games will probably hit the fifty. I don't think the other one will. And I, I couldn't think so you, I couldn't tell you which is which.
0: Yeah, I think um, if I'm leading towards it, shit, this is hard. So the KC Buffalo game is set at fifty and a half, and Green Bay and Tampa is set at fifty one and a half. I, I think either. you have to take the under on the first one. Yeah, I would, say,
1: I would say the unders on Chiefs Bills, and then even or over on Packers Bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fifty-one points. I mean, they can do that. That the yeah. thing is, here's the thing: it was they scored fifty points. It was thirty to twenty against the Saints the other day. Yeah, frustrating. And that would piss me off for other reasons, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I, – I, I'm thinking the under for the total points. They the Hell, those games might go both under.
1: Yeah, hundreds a lot, but we'll see. It is,
0: but they, if there's any four teams that can do it, it's these four. It's those four, yeah. So, Tampa and Green Bay and Kansas City and Buffalo. I did not expect that in the Super Bowl, but – I mean, I feel like a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl is inevitable, so that's just what I'm going to take, but – I would not be shocked if it's Bills Bucks. I would not be shocked at all. Uh, I will leave it at that. Let's go into positivity corner. Uh, and then say, we'll...
1: Quick rapid fire on sports um, just to close out before we talk uh, positivity. Uh, the only thing – well, I got a couple of things, but Padres, man. Got to mention the Padres. Oh, um, yeah, they're killing sorry. it. The Padres are just big dick swinging right now. (laughs) Uh, Lack of better terms. They, I don't know how they have a farm system.
0: I don't either. It's decimated. (laughs) Well, actually, no, it's not really decimated.
1: That is going to be a team like in the next, I say in the next three years, when a world series, Uh, their rotation next year is Blake Snell, you Darvish um, Musgrove, Clevenger and either Lamette or Paddock. They have like a six man rotation. Four of them are aces. It's disgusting.
0: It's That's absolutely like... disgusting. And they keep acquiring these guys. Like Joe Musgrove is a, is a pretty good acquisition. Actually. That's um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm shocked.
1: And they also want to like, they gave that monster contract to Machado. They're looking at like a major 10 year deal for Tatis. I'm like, you guys just have money all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm, so.
0: I, <laughs> I don't understand it. I do know, uh, shout out Matt Batten from St. Joseph High School, Trumbull, Connecticut. He is grinding his ass off in a Padres system right now. He was a second baseman in shortstop, and he's like, oh, fuck, that's not happening. So he's training to be a catcher because he's like, that's my best shot I have. I don't fucking blame him because that middle of the infield is going to be stacked for years to come.
1: So some MLB news just in general. Don't really want to touch upon the Mets because... Uh, they got Lindor, no, congratulations, no. and then their GM got fired for some inappropriate conduct, which isn't even worth giving him the time of day. But well, just-
0: I will say, you know what is worth giving the time of day on that subject? Steve Cohen immediately fired oh, him. Oh, yeah. Which, good for him, because you see a lot of people saying, all right, you know, we're beating around the bush. And, you know, as much as I fucking can't stand Jared Carabas, sometimes, he, he got the nail on the head, because, like, that's not a deal breaker for some people and fine, you know, if it's, if you are positioning it as, you know, they paid their debt to society, they've served their punishment. It was wrong. They're not going to do it again, whatever. That's your choice, but good for Steve Cohen. He said, you know, I stood up there on day one and talked about integrity and I'm not going to let this happen in my own organization. He's an example. He's fucking done. Good for him. And I, I think that sends a message to women that feel like they've been treated that way in any industry, particularly sports, because that's, you know, the most vocal, um, you know, prominent figures that we've seen talk about it, but good for Steve Cohen. I think he made the right decision.
1: Yeah, no, he stepped up big into that fact. Um, And then closing, Knicks basketball, number one defense in the NBA. Uh, Haters, love that. (laughs) Did you watch the game
0: on Martin Luther King Day? The one against the Magic? Yes. Yeah, very good. I watched almost every play of the second half. I haven't done that with the Knicks for a while. You know, I catch up on the highlights, maybe watch a quarter here and there. Uh, they looked like shit in the third quarter and some of the fourth, and they closed out the game the way pros do. It was absolutely incredible to watch. And the, game the, the New York the Knicks Celtics. might be back.
1: The, New, the game against oh, the they Celtics.
0: whopped the Celtics. I love that. Love that. So fun, fun stuff there. Who's Peyton Pritchard? I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> the Oregon kid. Now he, he's been very good, and Peyton Pritchard's going to be it, – it's just so – the reason I say that is because all these Celtics fans are like, oh, well, you know, at least we have Pritchard. He's a silver lining and stuff. It's like, you know, good for him. I think he's going to be real good, but um, whatever. The Knicks are back, and it's safe to say it. Now, they might let everything crumble underneath them, which is pretty typical, but at least they're back. They've got a pretty good D. They've got good guys on the squad. You can't say that about the Knicks over the past few years except for and they traded him so that's all that's all <laughs> uh that's it for balls what do you have for positivity corner yes yeah,
1: so kind of related to the business world uh Amazon they launched a 2 billion dollar housing fund to make over 20,000 affordable homes available for working families in three cities um those cities include Washington state it's, uh Puget Sound, Arlington, Virginia and Nashville, Tennessee. So the Amazon's housing equity fund will help preserve existing housing and help create new developments through below market loans and grant to housing partners, public agencies and minority led organizations. Uh, The fund seeks to ensure the moderate to low income families can afford affordable housing in resource rich communities with easy access to neighborhood services, amenities and jobs. Uh, the investment includes 381 million in below market loans, um, for the 1300 homes in, in Arlington, another 185 in King County, and then the remainder, uh, spread across all three. But I mean, for people that dislike Jeff Bezos, this is just, this money is nothing to him, but it'll make a huge difference in giving back to, um, lower income communities and trying to make a difference so we love to see that great stuff all around and another great story for positivity in 2021
0: good on jeff bezos this has been something that they've been discussing for quite a bit actually and i'm glad to see that they're finally putting where their mouth is or their money where their mouth is i should say um affordable housing hopefully you know bezos what i'm what i want to be interested in over the next few years this project goes on is is he going to keep routinely dumping money into these kinds of things because where you see these projects fail is people make the initial investment and then they just kind of let it be and that's when it's really easy to get run down so hopefully bezos finds that this works and keeps pumping money into it so keep your eyes on amazon and that I believe is our show Uh, we had, we talked a lot of stuff, Um, athletic brewing company. Again, that's athleticbrewing.com. Go on there for um, to poke around on some non-alcoholic beer selections And of course, we're now on the Hopped Up Network. Go follow the Hopped Up Network on Instagram and Twitter and go to hoppedupnetwork.com for the latest and greatest beer podcasts. We are available now on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. That's pretty much, for the most part, wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for episode 39. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.